This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Good evening to our merry Marvelites. Welcome to Marvel Movie Talk. On our new home over here on Geekscape, we're very excited to be here talking Marvel with you every week. Marvel movies, Marvel TV, Marvel comics. What a novel idea. Marvel, more Marvel than you can shake a stick at, although we were just talking before we started that uh, you're going to have to shake a lot of sticks because there's going to be a little bit less Marvel. But in any case, very excited to talk today about Across the Spider-Verse also known as Spider-Verse 2, Electric Boogaloo. As always, I am Christian Blatt, also host of Geekscape Book Club right here on Geekscape. And a past guest on Geekscape Book Club is our friend Jordan Bloom, who was a showrunner for MODOK, uh, co-creator of Minor Threats, which uh, make sure that uh, you get a chance to tell people about some fun events coming up for Minor okay. Threats. And uh, Community, American Dad, and if I've left anything off, uh, I apologize. But uh, I think... Good enough. Well, this is a Marvel podcast, so I've also written uh, X-Men and Spider-Man stuff. Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse specifically stuff. Right. And, and, and uh, uh, the Venom thing coming out. We're doing Venomverse. The, everything's getting a verse. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also with us is uh, our friend Jeff Duray. Uh, Jeff Duray, I'm looking in your notes... Your big uh, credit is Jeff Duray of the Black Cast, um, and I believe that is hosted by a very talented and handsome host named Christian Blatt, unless True. I'm mistaken. I'm also okay, well, pitching Spy vs. Spy vs. <laughs> the Spy vs. Spy vs. Mad, well, the let, mad shared universe. Let, <laughs> let me just add on to that: the Spy vs. Spy vs. Spy vs. Which that was the the female spy that also fought mm. both the white spy and the black spy. So we've we've already we've done it. I think we've basically <laughs> created the whole Spy vs. Spy vs. Uh, Jordan, it's a good place to start because your uh, Spider Verse story, uh, you you uh, got to create some characters who weren't in this movie, but we have another one coming, right? Uh, I assume they're holding Pete Spider-Man, the Spider-Man from my comic for the next one. I just, I have to assume so. Yeah. Well, I think Peter parked car took his moment in the movie. And uh, as, (laughs) as someone who was always baffled by the fact that the spider mobile existed, uh, I was glad I got a shout out. Uh, You know, that was before my time in reading comics, but I remember reading in back issues. I think they had the spider mobile for like, I don't know, six months. And then it, uh, you know, promptly got crashed into the East river. Uh, But I want to talk big picture on Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan, uh, let's just talk about, obviously, it's very easy to remember just, just five short years ago, the first Spider-Verse was amazing. It was groundbreaking in so many ways. The bar was set very high. For me personally, this is one of those times where the high bar didn't result in being uh, let down. What were your thoughts on Across the Spider-Verse? Uh, 100% it delivered on all fronts. And I think... Um, you know, visually it just pushed animation forward in a way we've never seen before. Um, the story was fantastic. Uh, you know, for me, I think I connected maybe emotionally more to the first one. And then this one felt like, you know, it actually felt like, it felt like the back of the future too, to, I mean, there's even plot points that are very similar to back to the future too, but as far as kind of, um, doubling down on the first movie and pushing it further, um, and it being a bigger adventure and romp that, uh, you know, definitely reminded me of, of Back to the Future 2. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it gave me everything I wanted. I love the, the f- focus being on Gwen just as much as Miles. Um, you know, I have my own little tiny Spider-Man nitpicks, but on a whole, like, it's a near-perfect movie. I would say the third best Spider-Man movie. Um, well, obviously, number one would be Spider-Man 3, the one with uh, with uh, Topher Grace's Venom. Right. That, that's kind of a given. 
Uh, not, and, look, uh, not, not as bad as people remember it to be. No, uh, I, if you I, re- it, I rewatched it at one point, and there was a lot of things that yeah. I didn't like. I, I but there there are some sequences that I think worked really well. Um, what about you, Jeff? Uh, your thoughts, you know, your expectations going in, and then your thoughts after you actually saw Spider Verse across the Spider Verse. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I loved the first one. I think everybody did. I don't know anybody who didn't like it. And so, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I'll just interject. You and I do a show with someone who kind of doesn't like anything. Even he liked it. So, yeah, yeah, that's how you know. (laughs) I think the first one holds a special place for me, at least, because it was so unexpectedly good. Like, you expected to enjoy it. I expected, like, that this would be interesting. But just remember being blown away because of how many original, interesting ideas that they had in that movie that just made it really, like, stick with you. I think it's awesome that, like um, uh, Jordan said, they kind of doubled down on some of those things. Like the art direction in this movie is just unbelievable. Just the subtle things that they do with color or even just like the styles of art in the universes to express the emotions that people are going through. I think it's like really, really well done, really creative. The story was really interesting. Um, I think if there's a knock, which I don't think is a knock at all, it's that, this feels less like your downbeat for the two parters, right? Like a lot of times when you have these two parts, like uh, endings of the trilogy, the, the ending of the, the second movie feels like an ending more so like feels like a, okay, we're going to take a little time before we come back to this. This felt more like we're in the middle of something. And then we had to end it because like, it was just going to go on too long. So just from a story structure, it felt less like a cliffhanger, but at the same time, it's just like, I guess it just makes me feel like the story's incomplete, which it intentionally is. So it's harder to judge it in that way. But otherwise it's just, like you said, a near perfect movie. Really, really. Yeah. That was, that was the same feeling I had was that it's, I feel like when we've had part three and I can kind of look at where it all went, it's easier to look at, not to say that, you know, there's anything wrong with this, but there was that feeling because I knew there was a follow-up. I just didn't realize this was like a cliffhangery cliffhanger kind of ending, but it, you have to appreciate it because it's a very comic booky ending because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, even your big comic book events, usually there's like, oh, yeah, but now it's going to get even worse. <laughs> you know, like the last like two pages, something crazy comes out, you know, so I think that uh, it, it was fun. And, yeah, that, there's the comparison that, you know, it's funny, Jordan, that you mentioned Back to the Future, too, because I I always was like oh no, this is really just, that never felt like an ending. And I, I sort of like the third one more. Uh, my, my, my hot take that as a child, I stick with it. I love Return of the Jedi because it's the ending. Um, and I, I'm still the seven-year-old that saw it uh, in the theater for the first time. But uh, I, I, have, I have no complaints about this other than why does it have to be nine more months? You know, why, why couldn't it have been like next month? that it comes out uh, just because I want to see where it goes. But I think they did a great job setting it up and uh, they give us plenty of time to rewatch it. Uh, Talk a little bit about from a a story standpoint, Jordan, obviously you do run a risk by giving people an ending like that, but I I don't, I don't think they missed the mark at all. I think giving us this, Oh no, what's going to happen next is actually a great thing. Yeah, because I completely forgot they had split it into two movies. Yes, so when we got exactly. there, and we're, we're getting towards the end. I was like, "How are they going to wrap this up soon?" Like, <laughs> there seems like a lot building. Um, so I was like, "Oh, good. There's more. They can take their time. They can explore it because there's so much kind of crammed into this movie." And I think I some people have said it as a complaint that it's a maximalist movie, but I think that's one of its strengths is that these guys are so good at cramming in visuals and layering visuals and dialogue and people are talking over each other that it's an incredibly rewarding rewatch, but I was never confused of where to look or what to follow, um, even in these kind of busier frames and, and big action moments. So I think that's like incredible direction for that to, to come across when you have such a rich layered movie. Um, but I think... You know, it definitely is more of the downbeat, right? Uh, Empire Strikes Back, you know, we're ending in a really bad place for Miles. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. To me, it was more 
the characters and the moments and the worlds, like uh, going to um, uh, the uh, what was it Mumbatton? Was that what they were? What mm-hmm. it's called? Yeah. Uh, like I could have done a whole movie there. Spider Punk. I could have gone off and watched him. Every tiny moment with Gwen and her dad and the dripping colors and the changing colors of that world. Like you just wanted to live in it, like every scene. Um, so that's a very hard thing to pull off. I think it is a very busy script in the best way. They're servicing a ton of characters. They're introducing people like Spider-Man 2099 and all these other new characters. Um, but they don't lose sight of, of the emotional stakes and, um, you know, very clearly kind of introduce uh, all these other new Spider-Men. So I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where you sit back and you're like, I don't know how anyone writes or directs this, but it's, I can't believe it worked and it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, to keep the continuity for all the different spider people that pop in and uh, along with that theme, we're now uh, having a fourth join our fourth musketeer is joining us here in our multiverse in our spider verse. Uh, Caitlin Cornell, Caitlin, thank you uh, for joining us here. And uh, let's uh, let's throw it right at you. Let's talk about sort of the the big overall thoughts of this movie the way that, uh, you know, it kind of hits us right up until the point that uh, it ends. And it's like, well, you're gonna have to come back in nine months. Uh, share your thoughts with us. I think this is one of the smartest movies I've seen in a very long time. It's a movie that knew exactly what it wanted to do. Uh, it's a movie that was able to be creative and take what they had started with Into the Spider-Verse and turn it up in a way that was not just we're giving you fan service and we're giving you shiny keys to look at everything made sense and everything had a purpose within the narrative and within the story and within what made Spider-Man so meaningful to so many people throughout his iterations. Um, I like that Spider-Man's sense of humor and his quippy witticism was still consistent throughout all the characters, even in, even 2099. Um, even though he was probably the most serious one, he still had, I still laughed at what he was saying and how Oscar Isaac was um, directed. And I thought the vocal, this is going to be sound weird. The vocal layering was interesting. Like there was always somebody like in the background talking and you're just like, wait, what do they say? <laughs> like though. And it all, it, it was, it was Love very, that. the amount of work they put into the visuals. They're like, we're going to put just as much into the sound. Um, whether it's the audio track, whether it's the sound effects, whether it's the music. Um, I thought it was a very well done film. And I thought that the, I, I hope we're going to talk about the villain switch later. Cause we need to talk about the villain switch. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Cause what you're talking about, obviously, you know, you can make a great big movie like this and utilize the Dolby surround sound and you can really kind of do that. And so this movie, as you said, does that. And of course, like, Yes, you know, like you said before, Jordan, you know where to focus your eyes on. But on subsequent watchings, you're like, oh, look at all this other stuff that I didn't get to look at. I mean, we were talking about this uh, last week or the last time. And it's just like if there's ever a movie to be excited to, you know, get that Blu-ray at home. And actually, it's it's almost like you want to watch it frame by frame because there's uh, pause so and much pause to look and pause. at. Yeah. Um, Jeff, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts to follow up on that idea about uh, the you know, sort of the the way that it endings it ends but also just sort of what it delivers in that uh what is it two hours and 20 minutes of, of runtime you know i i had started to have that same feeling jordan did that i was like i wonder if it's gonna be hard to uh, wrap up but the movie kept me interested the whole time i didn't have a great sense for how much time was left and then i was like got to start winding it up at some point, don't they? What did you think, Jeff? Yeah, I think it's interesting. It sounds like uh, at least the three of us had the same thought. I don't know if you had one that it too, where I was just remember hitting a point in the movie being like, I have no idea what time it is, like how far into this movie I am. I don't know. Like, are we close to the end? Are we in the middle? Like I, I just, I had no real sense of time and I didn't, I didn't think it was like a pacing issue. It just felt like, you don't have that, you know, normal, like, all right, we're going up the roller coaster, getting ready. And all right. And here's the end. Cause it was really just like, Oh no, we're just in the middle of this. We're just going to keep going and going. It feels like reading a book where it's just like, you don't have like the really obvious uh, pacing that you do in a movie. Like you're like, all right, you got about 20 minutes to get us to the climax. Let's go. <laughs> um, 
What was the other question you had? Well, just sort of, uh, you know, it, it, kind of anything really in terms of the the different, you know, that we're talking about the audio layers, but the visual layers, there's just, there's so much to look at. There's so much to listen to, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it is really just one of those movies that you just soak in with all your senses. Yeah. And, you know, and, and knowing how much you like popcorn taste being one of those uh, <laughs> senses that uh, you were able to soak it in. So definitely. I think it's, it's, uh, I think Jordan said this before that it's, it's a movie that's infinitely rewatchable right like each time you watch it you could take away more things more little side notes you missed or or like a dialogue box you didn't quite pick up on um i think one of the things that that uh, i just remembered that made no sense to me is i don't understand why they changed his dad's name from the first movie so oh. in, yeah his dad's name in the first movie is jefferson davis jefferson. which is his normal dad's name and in this movie it was jeff morales so oh. that just didn't really make any sense to me. I never understood why they felt the need to change his name in this movie. And there was another part that this just reminded me that made no sense where when they're having that rooftop party, they, it seemed like maybe through the process of editing, they, it got really kind of fucked up there. Cause it's like the party's happening. Then he's out of the party. Then he's off all around the city. Then he's just hanging out with Glenn, Gwen alone under the thing. Then the party's still happening and his parents are there. Then the party's not happening and Gwen leaves. Then the party's still happening in the background when he's talking to his parents. It was like, I don't know if they were trying to like change angles, but I just remember being oh. like really confused as to like what the timing of all that was meant to be. I, I feel like it was the same moment. I've, I've seen it three times already and, it, and you can still hear the party happening in the background when he and Gwen are underneath the little thingy thing. They just show but, it empty. They uh, show the rooftop. Empty. That's interesting. Do so, they? Well, the, wait, steal, wait, they, wait, they're wait, stealing the, food. There's, but right. So that, that's what I'm saying. And like, so they're he, having a party. And so the parents are like looking, going, like, I bet she doesn't speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. Is that and the then, section you're talking about? Where it's... Well, so then they go over to talk to him. And then when they're talking with him and the parents, like the view that you can see of the rest of the roof is like empty from that angle. It could have just been that, like, they were, it was a weird angle and I got yeah. confused. And like the spatial reasoning was like confusing me, but it just, I remember watching that and being like, what's happening here? Like, why well, are people yeah, I'll appearing? Have to, and I'll have to watch it again I, to take that part in. Yeah. But the Jefferson Davis part is pretty easy. I feel like it's kind of like how in the last season of I Love Lucy, all of a sudden Ricky Ricardo was Dominican. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't Cuban anymore just because the world changed. <laughs> and maybe they were just like, you know what? We don't need the president of the Confederacy. Uh, you know, maybe you that's mess, a note. You mess with the multiverse long enough. There's going to be changes. Yeah. 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 It's a great point. Yeah. You know, you, you mess around enough. Uh, all of a sudden you, you wake up one yeah. day and your name's something different. Uh, but if you want Jeff, instead of calling you Jeff Duray, I'll call you Jefferson Duray from here Please. on in. So <laughs> I, I think that would work. Um, I do well, want to talk about the other. We're picking nits a little bit. Um, again, love the movie. These are only minor little things that, you know, are more my weird Spider-Man stuff and less like everything in the narrative makes sense for the movie kind of thing. That's my preface here. But I found it weird that Captain Stacy became such an important part of this, that everyone has a captain kind of thing because Gwen Stacy's death is the big thing in Spider-Man, not yeah. Captain Stacy's death. Yeah. But obviously when you have Spider-Gwen, you had a, change that so i understand why they did that but my spider-man fan brain's like this doesn't ring true to me like when the captain stacy's death means nothing kind of in the comics it's it's kind of a throwaway story uh it's not a big canon moment you know for the characters um but i get why they they changed that and i also had a hard time buying peter going along with the plan letting people die like that's so antithetical to peter parker who is like i'll save everyone and i don't care and there's always a way but this is miles movie and miles should have that part so i totally understand why they changed that but it rubbed me a little the wrong way as a peter fan a comic book well peter yeah fan. that that doesn't feel peter like fine. you know it, yeah. you'd feel like at least a few of the peters and the one that would probably be the most likely would be peter b parker he seems to be the one that's most like the peter that you know we would all know you know from the comics uh but you know and i think we start to see at least the those twinges of that uh towards the end of the movie but i, I agree with you it's not consistent with peter parker to think that he'd be like well if you say it's for the greater good i guess people gotta die 
you know, it, it's like kind of like yeah. the opposite of Unless the way you think it's like about. a made like having a daughter changes your perspective a little bit maybe too you know? well i don't know i have a daughter and uh i i don't i don't want any spider men to die i want them all to live uh forever uh the uh topic of the the villain came up earlier and uh for our visual audience uh you can see uh the image from i believe this is uh, peter parker the spectacular spider-man uh number 97 uh which he the spot was uh like the first year i was reading comic books he was a new character and i thought he was kind of cool he is sort of goofy and I think that they did something great with that. And they really kind of turned into the fact that Miles dismisses him. And he's like, oh, I'll show you. And boy, he really does uh, kind of show us uh, what he's capable of. Uh, Kate, that seemed to be something that uh, caught you upon three viewing. So why don't we start that with Spot? So good. Also, thank you, Google. Figured out that Jefferson Davis, Jefferson Morales thing. Oh, okay. Well, what did Google say? Google I, I says this is a real answer and not a not an AI answer. Well, it's uh, it's from uh, Comic Basics, and uh, they changed the name um, from. Uh, they they're treating it in the comics like Miles Morales took his mother's name, um, oh, okay. and so they adjusted around the fan backlash because they were trying to connect Jefferson Jeff Davis to Aaron Davis. So oh, in 2019, they had Jeff Morales take his wife's surname instead of keeping his own. So the movie reflected that oh, change. Okay. Well, so it's a change I, that I, happened in the comics. I appreciated being able to make cool. my, uh, my Ricky Ricardo footnote all the same. So, yeah. uh, but let's, let's talk spot. Let's talk spot. Um, one Jason Schwartzman is a treasure and he must be protected at all costs. Um, <laughs> I also love the fact that I think one of the, an the animator that pitched, um, when in, into the spider verse, when he gets a bagel thrown at him and it just says bagel. I love that that has now become like the origin story for like the scariest villain in Spider-Man because <laughs> it wasn't, he's like, that would be funny. And he just did it. Um, I like the idea of the underdog villain and normally in, in like basic, ass screenwriting there's like five pieces like there's the protagonist the love interest the sidekick the the villain and the obstacle the thing that keeps getting in the way of the protagonist defeating the villain whether it's a thematic villain or a real life one and this is the first movie i've seen please tell me if there are other ones because i thought this was a really interesting switch of we've gone through this process with spot of him becoming the main villain and uh, 2099 being the obstacle to him saving his father from spot and the kind of rise of this villain that he wasn't an, oh, he was an overpowered villain when he started. They're both rising kind of together at, at, you know, in an exponential rate. But this is the first time I've seen a movie where by the end of the film, the obstacle and the villain have switched places. So now like 2099 and the idea of Canon and the idea of story the actual story of Spider-Man being the villain is now the main, uh, the main villain and the obstacle is going to be spot. Like it's going to be like, they're constantly going to be getting in each other's way in order to make the story happen or not happen. So it's well, an interesting way to look at it. It's almost like spot is the foregone conclusion. Like, yeah, they'll figure it out, but how is he going to take on, you know, thousands of spider people or at least five, or the uh, idea of your own, can you change your own story? And a bunch of people saying you can't because this is what makes us who we are. Um, right. Spot's story also kind of mimics Miles in a lot of way from the first oh, yeah. one where it's like Miles is clumsy, he trips over a shoe and that's how he breaks the goober and the this where Spot kicks himself in the butt and that's how he figures out he can travel dimensions. So it's like in a lot of way, this was his rise to power right. like the first one's Miles is. Yeah, Jordan, give us your thoughts on how they were able to kind of do what Kate's talking about. One, you take a very slight character and without him, you know, like saying, you know, merging with Venom or something, you know, right. so there's not that reason that all of a sudden he becomes this big. He basically powers himself up and he rises to sort of the this like ultimate threat that impacts the entire Spider-Verse. I love that. I think it's like a Marvel Universe thing where every day, you know, you see a lot of 
normal everyday people get superpowers become heroes and this is again you know an underdog normal person with this insane cosmic level uh power that he doesn't quite understand and then once he figures it out driven like you said the same kind of motivation of miles i'm going to prove myself i'm going to prove myself everyone underestimates me you know here's my shot that he powers up and then he's kind of i like that we don't really get much of him towards the end of the movie, he's kind of this gun on the shelf that we're going to see come back yeah. later, you know? And like you said, this one is more about, um, you know, it's all about miles wanting to be part of something, want to be part of this group, want to be part of this team. And then that rejection specifically by, you know, Spider-Man 299 saying, you know, you can never be a part of this. That's what this movie's about. And I think that's yeah. where the, the focus shift happens that, you know, this is about miles going, I don't need to be a part of a group, even though that's all he's been waiting for is to find his people, get out in the world, you know, uh, figure out who he is. And he thinks who he is, is part of this spider team only to find out that they don't want him. And he's this anomaly and all the people he trusted, he can't trust. Uh, they were, you know, working behind his back, even the characters we really like. So I think it's a really nice arc where you set the spot off on a similar kind of villainous arc that mirrors miles but miles gets to have his with spider-man 29 in this film but um look i love you know me i love d-list villains spider-man has some of the best uh and it was also really refreshing to to kind of dip into that catalog because usually you only get sinister six level villains in spider-man movies and here we get some of the you know, goofier ones. And I love those characters. So I was really excited to see. Yeah, occasionally you like a visit from Pace Pot Pete, you know, and uh, obviously your show Modoc featured one of my favorite D-list villains, Armadillo from like. the. Oh, my God, Peter. that's right. And the, this the early. Too. And what's that? He was in Spider-Verse, too. Oh, yeah, yeah right. Exactly. Where he oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, oh. my favorite, I talked about this uh, in an earlier conversation, but uh, was one of those isolated characters was Video Man, who's from, I think, the first episode of Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. Electro creates this character. That's so it's right. like, it's such like a very, very slight, very inside. They're not afraid to do that. There's the really obvious ones. Like we get Spider-Man 67 swinging in there and we right. have footage of, uh, uh, of both Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield, you know, and we're getting so many, but I love that there's times for uh, some of the other ones. What were you going to say, Jeff? I uh, just realizing from what Jordan was saying that there's kind of an inversion again from the first movie of miles in the beginning of the first movie, he's constantly feeling like an outsider. Like he feels accepted in Brooklyn, but he doesn't feel accepted in visions and he's having problems in the community. Right. He's like, almost getting hit by the taxi and then by the end it's like hey what's up spider-man oh we're all friends we love you so it's like that it's that acceptance he wanted it and he got it and now he wants it again but realizing he doesn't need it so it's kind of flipping that from the first film is it acceptance or is it validation that he is a good enough spider-man to be part of a team so by him saying no i'm gonna do my own thing it's i don't need your validation of if i'm spider-man or not could be I think it's a mixture of both. Yeah. Because he's, you know, if you're looking at just the structure of this film, right, he's talking about leaving home and he's missing Gwen and he's, he's upset that no one's come to visit him, right? So when he learns about this team, his goal is to get on it. And that's the goal halfway through the movie. Right. And then he finally, you know, I want to get to uh, this, this place you all, you know, uh, function as a team and, and join. And then it, it turns into the nightmare, right? It's the it's the fake goal. He gets there and it's not right. what he thought. And literally everyone who he trusted has been in on this kind of conspiracy to keep him out. And, you know, it's it's that moment of betrayal where he goes, no, nah, I'm going to do things my way, you know. And I think it's that refusal of the goal, right? That, that initial goal that he's grown into a different character that sends him on you know, to the rest of the movie and then into the, into the final one as well. So I think that's a really well-structured, kind of uh, idea of that being Miles' goal from kind of minute one to about halfway through the movie until he he find, he has that kind of fight with Spider-Man 2099 and kind of really yeah. discovers what's going Because that's going to be final. I mean, that's going to be boss fight, honestly, is going to be. Because the thing is, like, by the end of this movie, we kind of know everything we need to know about Spot. Like, it, like in actuality, we know his origin story. We know his motivations. We know what he wants. 
And like by the end of the movie, the second we hit Spider Society, I'm like, there's going to be a third movie. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, this movie's too long yeah. now. <laughs> and um, and then the how how much mystery is surrounding uh, the motivations of Miguel O'Hara, who I think was expertly played by um, Oscar Isaac. It's really hard to get that balance and well written and well directed. And it's hard to get that balance between like still Spider-Man humor, still amusing, still stoic, but like very much like there's a guarded aspect to him and the need to be in charge and the need to have things under control um, and what his motivations are as a because co a complete mystery. Cause he technically didn't cause a, you know, prevent a canon event. He took someone else's like universe. <laughs> like, like that is, a, that's incredible. So he's like, he's not completely telling the truth. Yeah. That I was thinking about this uh, the, the first time we were talking about it. And I realized that obviously, you know, Miguel Harris, Spider-Man 2099, he's the Don Draper of Spider-Man. He literally, it's oh the my same God, story. he sneaks in and he's like, well, this is me now. And I think it's interesting yeah, because slow, the slow he, yeah, he, he's the guy who, you know, steals basically a Spider-Man's life. And this idea that Miles, I think it's great for the character. It really builds him up as so unique. Is like, look, there's all these hundreds, thousands of universes. You're the only, this is the only one where you're Spider-Man because you're not supposed to be Spider-Man. And I think it works so well because this is a character who, this isn't just another Peter Parker. If you had a Peter Parker that wasn't right. supposed to be Spider-Man, yeah, sure, you can tell that story. But it's like, well, this is a different kid. And nowhere else, this kid mm -hmm. exists in other ones, obviously, as we'll talk about as we see towards the end. So I think just making him that much more of an outsider. Um, I wanted to ask your thoughts on that, Jeff, because you you were in early on uh, on Miles Morales. I, I was definitely an old guard dragging my feet. I love me some Peter Parker and I still do. But, uh, you know, the first Spider-Verse movie I, I've said before really was the great way to get, you know, people who already love Miles and then the the old, you know, the old get off my lawn guys like me who are like, yeah, but Peter Parker, Spider-Man's like, yeah, but so is Miles. I'm like, OK, yeah, you're right. But what did you think about the way that it's really Miles versus yeah. the universe in this, Jeff? Jefferson, well, I, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Uh well, I think it's interesting because it's like you can't say that Miles isn't meant to be Spider-Man. Just that Miles wasn't. The other Earth or 42 Miles is supposed to be Spider-Man. Right. And because he didn't become Spider-Man, he became the Prowler. So I think that's obviously like an interesting I, th I think exploring that like what outside of just not getting special powers. But like is the inflection point that his dad's gone is the inflection point that when he lost his dad, there was nothing he could do about it. So he just broke bad. Like what, what makes that spider or what makes miles that is the prowler at the end of the movie, the prowler, like what motivate him to want to do that? Because if he's the prowler, then obviously he's not just following in his uncle's footsteps because his uncle would be the prowler and he'd be like prowler right. junior or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, Captain caveman and son. <laughs> mm. uh, I think I mean, I love the Miles Morales Spider-Man. I think it's great that it's like, I mean, Spider-Man has been around long enough that it's, I, I think it's, it's. I don't understand why they would uh, distance him from Aaron Davis. That doesn't make any sense to me, but I don't make those decisions. Because I, I loved the fact that it was like, this Spider-Man was so much more of like, of our generation. He had unmarried parents. He took his mom's name. He's just like a totally different right. kid with totally different motivations. And that's what made him so interesting. Cause it didn't have to just be parallel universe Spider-Man. It was like, Hey, this is somebody who could be influenced by a Spider-Man. So like, what would Spider-Man mean to other people who need that empowerment? Um, and that's what I, I always thought of miles as at least in like the early stories where Spider-Man's still alive with him. <laughs> Um, Jordan, I'm not sure. Have have you written Miles stories, or have you mostly written uh, Peter stories? Because I'm wondering if you I wrote have... one. Okay. Yeah, I wrote one Miles thing. It was for the uh, Spider Bots kind of kid stories I was doing for the the app. But I got right. to write him, which was awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I look at my own kids. I have two boys, and Miles is their Spider Man, and I love that. Like, I love that um, everyone can have their Spider Man, and also like maybe miles will be the prime spider-man and you sunset peter in the future and like that's fine too i 
I'm a huge Wally West fan. And I don't care for Barry Allen, but I know a lot of people like Barry oh, Allen. Do, so I think do we do we have a friend we should introduce you to? <laughs> oh God! Our, our friend, our friend Will Sterling talks all the time about oh, how God. much he doesn't like uh, Barry Allen and uh, you know uh, real life issues with uh, with an actor uh, gave DC an opportunity to just bring Wally in. But anyway, that's a conversation for another yeah. time. <laughs> uh, I think you're right. So, and by the way, just to add in, I have uh, I have a son and a daughter and. My daughter has her Spidey too, as I've talked about. She's five, so she loves the the mm-hmm. Disney Junior show, Spidey and His Amazing Friends, yep. and Ghosty, Ghost Spider. She calls her Ghosty. Uh, that well, they call her Ghosty on the show. So that's like, yeah. You know, so you have, you get to ha- like everybody gets to have a Spider Man, and maybe that's the point of this movie. Because even a horse, even Mister Ed, can be like, oh look, there's a, there's one for me, Peter uh, Parker. Mm-hmm. But my question was, do you and, you know, you, you said you wrote one thing. Do you feel like writing Miles is a lot different from writing Peter? It seems like fundamentally there are a lot of things in common, like their heart is kind of in the same place. But what do you think might be the, the biggest difference between the two of them, obviously, despite their physical appearance? Well, I think Miles being younger, the family is a much bigger presence. Like I always found as Peter gets older, it's a little hard to be like, ah, oh, Aunt May, I'm going to let Aunt May down again. Like, well, you're, you know, you're in your thirties. You, you should have a life outside of him. <laughs> well, that's true. That, that in in, in think... the, in the mid eighties, it was a major plot point that Aunt May didn't like that. He dropped out of grad school and it was like, all right, but it's grad school. You know, you're like 27. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> you know what, Peter, make your own choices. Don't worry about yeah. Aunt May. But um, I, <laughs> I feel, I love, um, you know, the, the, Miles is also very tied to his community, which I think is really neat. And I think a lot of the stories come out of that. Um, you know, him being the Spider-Man of Brooklyn is so fun. Um, and yeah, you know, I think what the biggest difference is he has this, he's a legacy character, you know, even though he's carving out his own destiny and that's what this movie's about, right? Is, is, feeling the weight of legacy of other Spider-Men and am I good enough? Am I going to live up to that? And Peter never had that. So I think that's a fundamental difference, uh, which is, you know, similar to Wally West and Barry, where you have, you know, this godlike, you know, hero who's, who's already done this and you're aware of him and you're trying to do it. And the more you try to be like this, this, this other Spider-Man, the more you're going to fail until you do things your way and you carve out your own, your own destiny. So I think that's the fun of miles is a little bit of that burden and that arc of, of learning to be your own hero. Right. Uh, Kate, give us your thoughts about sort of their, you know, obviously similarities between Peter and miles, but uh, you know, some of the very distinct differences from miles that we see, you know, in both of these movies and one day, all three of these movies. I mean, I guess it depends on which Peter we're talking about. Yeah, I'm thinking of like sort of our classic impression the classic. of Peter. Yeah, like think of, think of even about... Tom, Tom Holland, you know, comic book Peter, you know, the way well, we here's think the of weird Peter, thing is yeah. I don't I think that especially the first movie and a little bit in Pav, um, they were kind of making fun of the Marvelized, yeah, the Marvel Cinematic Universe version of Peter Parker. Um and not like making fun of but just like this idea of this like almost op spider-man like he's he's like he's got everything under control he's like smart he's witty he's got it going on he's got the girl like you know what i mean like he's got it all on lockdown and i think what we liked about like toby Maguire's version of spider-man is that he didn't have it all together and then we kind of liked the overcorrection in the Andrew Garfield of like, yeah, but he's like still a ladies man. And he still is very funny and he's very witty. And so Tom Holland was able to kind of balance the two of them together. But it took three, well, in reality, like five movies for him to lose Aunt May and have yeah. that like kind of like sense of of that that loss that we know of and sacrifice that we know of from Spider-Man. Um, I think the difference between... Peter Parker as we know Peter Parker as a character um, and just putting up Miles Morales against the other Peter Parkers in the Spider-Verse is that there is a sense of loss and sacrifice that comes with that character and keeps it moving forward. And there's almost a weight that gets added to Peter Parker. Um, And Miles doesn't feel 
I'm not going to say he doesn't feel that weight, but the weight is expected. It's almost like because he's of how he's grown up and how he was raised and how family oriented he is and where he comes from. It's like, yeah, you pick it up and you can do both. Like you can do whatever you like. You just keep, you keep going because you kind of have to. And there's this kind of creative aspect of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to just figure it out. I can do, I can do both. Um, I can be Spider-Man. And you know, I can you, be made, a- you keep going. I was going to say, you know, you made me just think of you saying that is that Peter is closer to, let's say, Bruce Wayne, right? There's a tragedy yeah. that drives him that makes him be a hero. And Miles is much closer to Superman in that he just had really yeah. good parents who yeah. a good kid who's going to do the right thing. That's what you just made me think of. So I think you unlocked it completely. Yeah. And it's 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 something of why i'm not actually sure i want to double check that but if i trust you who have who have read the miles morales canon that the that earth 42 miles morales was supposed to be spider-man in that universe because i think what that showed at the end was if you don't have a hero to look up to and if you're not given that opportunity and you're not given the support either at home or in your community um, you could either become a Spider-Man or you could become a Prowler. That Miles Morales can become the villain or the hero, and Miles as a as a uh, um, what is that word that I'm looking for? That metaphor for for all kids of that generation of our gen- of the the younger generation behind us. Of you can be the hero, or the villain, depending on how much support you get and how much love and care and nurturing you you actually have how much opportunity you're able to have how many heroes you're able to actually talk to um how who can you who you can look up to and who you can get in contact with um so i think yeah, that was I mean, the important part the, of that story look at look at the difference between uh you know quicksilver and scarlet witch when their dad yeah. is the guy who's literally in charge of the brotherhood of evil mutants they, they're, they're not good eggs, but uh, then they start getting hugs and people telling them nice things. And now, then they're like, you know, two of the most beloved Avengers, at least in the comics. So, yeah, I think that uh, there's a lot of uh, exploration of uh, spidey nature versus nurture. Uh, one of the things I want to make sure that I ask everybody is we've kind of touched on some of the great spider people, spider characters that we got. Was there a favorite for each of you? And was it anybody that surprised you? For me, it was definitely the the Indian Spider-Man, you know, Mumbatton. That was just like, yeah, just give me, get, yeah, give me a, a, well, it wouldn't be Disney Plus because it's Sony, but whatever. Give me a standalone movie or a miniseries of that. Uh, Jordan, I'll ask you first. Was there anybody that you were like, uh, you, you might have even said it earlier, but uh, is there somebody that stands far above everyone else of like, this is the character I most want to see more of? You know, I'd love st- solo story. Well, I think Spider-Punk stole it, but I, I yeah. loved um, uh, Scarlet, uh, emo Scarlet Spider-Man. <laughs> Scarlet yeah. Spider, not Spider-Man. Andy uh, Sandberg. And he looked like a Tom yeah. Lyle drawing uh, right out of the comic. So Ben I O'Reilly? Was, was it Ben O'Reilly? Just yeah. Ben Riley. Ben Riley. Oh, but, Riley. Yeah. yeah, I think uh I think uh Andy Samberg. Look, I, I'm not a huge fan of the Ben Riley character, I've said before, but uh they've definitely put him, put a very specific stink on him, and now he's kind of never gonna have a chance. But <laughs> I, it was really funny and I, I did really like it. And uh yeah, I could see uh Andy Samberg uh, working his way through that. Uh, what about you, Jeff? Uh, is there uh, was there one that really stood out as as it doesn't necessarily have to be a Spider-Man, but was there a character that really surprised you in this movie that uh, you know really kind of stood out? I don't know if one stood out or surprised me, but the one that immediately jumped to mind when you asked the question was the T-Rex Spider-Man with the <laughs> T-Whip. I, yeah. I loved that the the little when he did it, the Thwip and it was T-Whip. Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's definitely. It's so quick. It's a blink and you miss it. What uh, What about you, Kate? Is there is there an ultimate uh, favorite, uh, although Ultimate Universe is something totally different, but was there one that really stood out for you uh, amongst this that uh, we got to spend time with that uh, you'd love to revisit given more chance? I mean, honestly, okay. This is just, I'm a little torn because I would love the side story of Spider-Punk capturing Donald Glover. Love that. (laughs) 
just yeah. because I want it. But also I would love to spend, I love the idea. Spider Punk was an interesting addition to this tale. Um, one, he was, uh, he was animated at different frame rates. So his body is not actually animated in the same pace as everybody else, even like different parts of him, especially his jacket, you can see keeps changing, which is really great. Um, and then the more he gets in tune with everybody else, the more it like kind of starts to sync up. Um, and I have a theory that it wasn't when he mentions, like I got to look after my drummer that it's not spider Gwen. He's talking about that. It's miles. Because the second that Miles is like, I'm out of here. Because he, I've never had this experience in a theater. Because I've had people like clap in a theater. But when the first thing he says to Miles is you have to like you have to use your whole palm. Yeah. And then he gets trapped in that thing. I was there like Thursday opening night IMAX. I have never seen like there was like four rows of people and they all just went like this. Like they all <laughs> just put their hands up. Nice. They're just like, use your palm, use your palm. And like, I think like. <laughs> Knowing that, like, he, the second, like, Miles started running and Spider-Punk is like, I'm out, peace, done, got it, saved him, he's fine. <laughs> um, but I also secretly, because I love cats, I want Spider-Cat. I want a Spider-Cat <laughs> spinoff show. Yeah. Where he's I, just being I, stupid. Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I definitely feel that uh, I'm glad we got to see that it'll be in the next one, but uh, I've always been a big uh, spider ham fan. And uh, I Yay! thought that, uh, that, uh, you know, Mulaney did a great job in the first one, but we're going to get him back. But and spider that was back too. Nick Cage. Is yeah. Back? Right. Nick. Yeah. Nick Cage. Yeah. Will be back. That was the thing that surprised me the most about the first one was the fact that we actually got spider ham and uh, it'll be interesting to see what else we might get. Uh, in the next one, um, maybe we'll actually maybe they're saving Tom Holland for some reason. Maybe we will see him. Um, what did you what, think about? Wait, pause. Time out. Sure. What did you guys think about them renaming Zach Morris over here? I'm sorry. What? <laughs> sorry. No, I just I've been I've been dying to ask this question to people who like understand. What did you think about them renaming the MCU as Earth One Nine 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 Nine, as well, opposed that, to what they did, which was War Six One Six. Yeah, because the one nine 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 is correct. They said six one six in Multiverse of Madness, but yeah. the six one six is the comic book one. Uh, I don't know what I. I think uh, I but feel MC like uh, really Jordan. You really? seem to have this. You seem to have this better formed in your head than I do. But it the one nine 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 nine. That well, is the yeah. MCU, the comics correct? have always been. Yeah, the comics have always been six one six, and then that was designated to the movie verse when it came mcu when it came out and okay. there is a guy at marvel who has a whole excel sheet of all the universes <gasps> for everything and ah! and i got to add the modok one in there uh was my son's birthday so uh oh, we got to kind of pick so our cool. universe. yes and the actress who plays ms marvel corrects feige all the time and says, oh my no, 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 god she's not. a nerd yeah. Oh yeah. I love her yeah. so no, much. She, yeah, she's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think and that uh, at the end of the day, six one six is just a number Alan Moore came up with one day. Like it, it doesn't really mean anything. It was from like a Captain Britain comic. Yeah, but does anybody so. want to tell Alan Moore that they've changed something that he wrote? So it's just easier to just stick with it. <laughs> but when we're Although, discussing sure. the whole idea of like what is canon and what isn't canon and narrative is like how many times did like Lord Miller or people at Sony like you can't use that because of this thing? Because you have to, you know, all Spider-Man stories have to start with the death of, of Uncle Owen <laughs> like, and, or Uncle Ben. Sorry, Star Wars. I've been in the Star Wars well. space. Well, if you, 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 look, if, if you wanted to make the case that uh, that Luke Skywalker is also a Peter Parker, I'd be willing to listen to it. I mean, know? he kind of is, though, <laughs> yeah. like for real. Well, he's, he's also a, he's also a Disney character. It makes he's sense also, that uh, they bought yeah. they bought both properties. I mean, so don't they kill say. his uncle? And, and they do kill his uncle. Leaves? He's Before like, oh, he I guess I got to go get some powers well, now. He was just like, no, nah, I'm just going to stick around. I, I, I can't go on your mission. I got uh, I got so much to stay home for. OK, I guess they're on fire. So uh, let's 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 head off to the original uh, to plot the armor. Yeah, Our ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so uh, as as we start to wind down and we look ahead uh, nine very long months, um, what uh, what do you hope? It, this might even just be something that you don't think we're actually going to get. But 
what do you hope the feeling is after the next part? Is there, is there a spider character that uh, you'd like to see? Is there a moment you'd like to see? I'll ask you first, Jeff. I mean, spider character. I don't know. <laughs> All of them. Right. Um, I, that's an impossible question. I don't know what spider character I want to see. I want to see Miles Morales, obviously. Uh, yeah. It's not going to happen. It's impossible. No, nope. <laughs> not even two of them. Not um, even two of them. I don't know what the feeling from the next one. What a what a open ended question. I don't even know how to answer that. I guess. Do you think? Do you think I, that? Do you think that they're gonna? They're you know they they've done a lot of good setup. Do you think that? Uh, uh, you know, I don't have a problem with Back to the Future Three, but a lot of people do. So, do you think they're gonna Back to the Future Three this movie? No, I think they're gonna skip yeah, the land. I don't think because, so. Again, I, I think put the, myself up. When I think one of the things where I complained about the pacing is why I trust that they're going to nail the next one because it's like they didn't do the thing where they're like, all right, we got to come up with a good story and then another story after that that finishes the story. It's like they just have one story that they're going to tell and they already knew where they were going to go from the get go. So you don't have to make any big changes. So I'm, I'm positive that based on two movies so far, they can have my money for the next one. Yeah. Yeah, so you feel like this isn't a, a Matrix uh, two and three situation where no. uh, you know it, 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 you, you, they they could have just stopped at one. I, I agree with or, you, by the way. Or any of Star uh, Wars. Well, you know, the last ten years. I mean, they even they 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 put little Easter eggs that make perfect sense with a story from this one in the very first movie, right? Like. There's a, the 42 on the spider, the fact that the yeah. spider's glitching. So right from the get-go, yeah. you could think, oh, he got his powers because it's from a different dimension. But then you go, oh, no, it's going to make it so that your these powers never belonged in your dimension and to you. So it's like, if that was their plan all along, which I totally would believe, like, they've, they've clearly the story's in good hands. Like, they know what they're doing. Right. What do you think, Kate? Do you think it's dangerous expectations when you have uh, two movies that people like this much, uh, but this is just a continuation? Uh, are, are, are you a little at all nervous or you feel like, nah, they're going to they're going to nail this? One no, too. they're going to stick the landing. 110 percent. They're going to stick the landing because yeah. the movies are great because they stand by themselves. But like a comic book, it continues and it keeps going. Like yeah. I can, I can enjoy across the spider verse and I can enjoy into the spider verse and they've built off of each other, but they're completely, they're stand, they like into the spider verse is still a standalone movie, even though it's starting a trilogy yeah. um, in the same way that like a new hope was a, a, a good standalone movie that even, that even started a trilogy. Um, for me, I think the key of it is we've got the little team in, into the spider verse, like the kind of like we've dipped our toe in the water. We've now gotten, I think every iteration of spider that is possible um, in a, in across the spider verse. And I think the keyword is beyond. And I think we're going to get more than just spiders because for me, God, I hope I'm not wrong. Cause this is going to suck if I'm wrong. I feel like when Sony and Marvel did their, their, you know, negotiations for, for finishing the Tom Holland trilogy um, with no way home. Sony had to have gotten something back in order for them to make that trade. And sure. I think we're going to see more now that we've gotten a little bit more like live action can infiltrate this universe and animation can infiltrate live action like they should with the Venom thing. My dream is to give Miles Morales the mentor that he had that Spider-Man actually had in the comics. And I want to see Cap in this movie. I want to see it go beyond spider society. I want to see the stand like a tree next to the river of truth scene said to miles Morales at the, like, because who else is from Brooklyn except for cap. And so it's like, it has to not affect what secret wars has going. It can't affect what youth has going on, but they can use characters that, that have affected the universe that the fans already know in a way that, that, actually if like that's i think a lot, what a lot of people were disappointed of in the mcu spider-man is cap was such a big character for spider-man and in, and it was almost replaced with stark and i would love to see them go beyond spider-man and start bringing in characters adjacent to the spider-man canon that affect people who affected spider-man beyond spider-man um, well, and i think that's where they're gonna go yeah, I want to uh, simultaneously talk about how the Spider-Woman, the Jess Drew that we get in this movie is great, yes. but it did make me miss uh, 70s 
Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman. So uh, there's still room for her. She's basically one of the ones that's missing. But uh, Jordan, we already said who I know you would like to see in the next one. Uh, I think that, <laughs> but is there anyone else, any any characters you didn't create that uh, that that you're hoping might get a nod? Um, I don't know. Am I? My, I mean, I think they're absolutely going to stick the landing. I think, like I said, they have already made the number one and number three best Spider-Man movies of all time. So uh, I'm sure this, the last two? one will slide right in there. Uh, Spider-Man two. Okay. Yeah, that that uh, the the one with uh, obviously the one with Doc Ock. Yeah, that that was that yeah. was my favorite, and, and then I'm kind his of his voice torn is between. in across. By the way. Oh yeah, we get a little yes, uh, Alpha that Molina. So yeah, that is nice. Yeah, it's it, yeah. But I think I, the, the first that, Spider Verse is number one. <laughs> first Spider Verse yeah. is number one in my best Spider Man movie ever made. In my opinion, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to um, fight with that ranking. I, I love all those movies, uh, but yeah, Spider-Man Two. Uh, for for a long time, I would say that was my favorite just superhero movie. But uh, there have been so many since then. It's hard to right. It's hard to keep track, you know. Yeah. But uh, I, yeah, I've got uh, a question. Yeah. Do you think that this that the the 2099 Spider-Man could kind of his storyline could mirror some of the uh, what was it? I can't think remember the uh Kang's name in Loki. What was the the last guy? What he, he, who, he, who he who remains. He remains. Yeah. Could it be like Mort- a similar he who Mortis? remains? <laughs> well, just the idea that it's like he's saying that there has to be these inflection points, but that could be to weave his spider-verse. Because it was it's his like red electric web that we saw as like the web of the spider-verse. And it's him who's insisting that these things have to happen for the Spider-Verse to exist. But it's just like when you apply multiversal rules more like your Rick and Morty's where it's like anything can happen. That's the point. Like (laughs) literally anything can happen. So whatever happens, the opposite of that can also happen. And it doesn't destroy the universe. It's just an alternate dimension. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's a... I don't know. My my hope is like so counter to all this. I want the movie to shrink. And I want it to be like weirdly smaller and more intimate and street level and i mean keep all the characters come back to earth i think that's what i loved about the first one because it felt like a great spider-man story we had some multiverse elements but it still felt all set in new york you know and i kind of and i love this big grand scale adventure we went on in the second one and all the spider-man all this stuff but i kind of want it to scope back down if that makes sense what and if like it's... get back to core spider-man what, stuff. what if it's only brooklyn across across different multiverses because what i really loved about the final scene of across is we were in brooklyn mm-hmm. in different parallel universes and yes. we were like, like we like we yeah. saw 42 we saw 1610 we saw gwen stacy's like new version of new york and they were all bleeding into each other to the point where like it took me until like realizing that rio's eyes were green that i was like oh we're not in the right place <laughs> and like but the the is that would that also hit those that mark of like if we have to bleed universes in that way that it's all Brooklyn just different multiverses crashing? Hmm. Yeah, that I think the- so. I think like I, I I guess for me I always like when Spider Man gets pulled into big you know Marvel Universe Secret War stuff, but then I also love that he's still just the guy you the know from New Spider-Man. York that Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with Jordan. I love friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. There have been times where he's been cosmic Spider-Man. They've, you know, in the film version, obviously he goes off to fight Thanos. And he gets a cool suit. But I, I do like when he's the guy who's uh, worried about paying the rent or Aunt May's hospital bills or, you know, I, I really like small. Uh, so, yeah, I think that uh, maybe not the next movie, but maybe we but, will get a small milestone. I mean, I don't uh, think, I think we will. Well, I think to, to, to the point you were making, Kate, like it could be both, right? Because it could be yeah. just about Brooklyn and it could be about all the dimensions and the multiverse at once. And they did set that up potentially in that first one. Cause that was the whole problem in the first one is, Oh, our reality is going to collapse in with other realities. And all these other realities are trying to occupy the same space as ours. And That's now you have a having... spot that can just go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? My, my yeah. one complaint with the MCU 
the MCU movies is the first one ends with being like, just kidding. I don't want to be Avenger. I'm better off here. I'm a friendly neighbor of Spider-Man. And then the next movie's like, you're part of S.H.I.E.L.D. now. You know, and now you're going to space. It's like, wait, you just told me he's supposed to stick around here. Yeah, that's true. That's a, <laughs> I actually didn't think about that till you said right. it. Uh, well, well uh, it's because the guy who told him to stay home died. So he's like, well, you can't tell that. me what to do anymore, jerk. <laughs> so now I'm going. Uh, now I'm well, an anomaly. Uh, uh, a, uh, a, a burgeoning multiverse that we could all spend some more time with is uh, a great series from Dark Horse called Minor Threats that, uh, Jordan, you did with uh, Patton Oswalt and uh obviously other great creative types and it has been it the trade paperback is out or it's coming out i uh i don't i don't want to misrepresent no it's coming out um it actually comes out in july uh but we are having some events in la new york where people can get it early so yes um, so uh, in 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 los angeles uh for our audio listeners i'll explain uh june 21st uh that'll be at uh that'll be in eagle rock what's the name of the store i'm i'm, I'm missing that somewhere uh, it's called uh, revenge of oh revenge that's why i didn't get it because <laughs> it's it's actually a pretty great name for a shop uh revenge so cool. of in in eagle rock so it'd be uh you pat oswalt uh scott hepburn and uh there's there's signing delicious barbecue come on who doesn't want to go there and and stand up sets uh including ron funches and brian posain and uh uh, that's for our friends, friends in Los Angeles. But you might be thinking, I live in New York. I really wish that there would be something like that that I could go to. Well, good news, everyone. There is uh, <laughs> Saturday, June 24th at, uh, I didn't even know there was a Midtown Comics Grand Central. I just knew the other one by Port Authority. But uh, uh, so people can uh, find it there. You guys will be signing and uh Jordan, I'll have you know that uh, I'm in New York when you're doing the L.A. one, and then I'm back in L.A. when you're doing the New York oh, one. So I'm going to miss both of them. But oh, I, uh, well, I, I strongly endorse the book. I really, I really enjoyed it. And uh, the so for people who don't live in either of those places, uh, they'll be able to – they can probably order the trade paperback of Minor Threats now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can pre-order it now. And what's your uh, elevator pitch uh, for people that want to know what the book is? I know the way I would try to sell it, but since you since you wrote it, I'll let you sell it. <laughs> well, if you like characters like The Spot, um, it's about those guys, kind of the jobbers, the, the D-list supervillains who um, life kind of becomes hellacious for them after an A-list villain kills an A-list hero sidekick. And all these heroes come and crack down and they can't go about their business. So they decide to go after the uh, A-list villain in hiding and collect the bounty on his head. And it's basically a hell night for supervillains. Uh, kind oh, of the warriors. Yeah. So if, if you so like fun. the armadillo and the film, the warriors, you're going to definitely like this. And I like that's, both of those things. That's, that's our really audience. Great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very small Venn diagram, but right there is right in the middle is it. minor threats. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so very exciting that uh, yeah. people will be able to get to see all of that. I just and, hope uh, Patton clinks some bottles on his fingers at the uh, <laughs> signing. Come out and play. <laughs> yeah. yeah, way to get everyone's attention when we're introducing yeah. comedians. Is it like we have to dress up as our uh, as like what we would be as a D-list villain? Oh my gosh, yeah. uh, that would be awesome. Uh, not like a re- not like a real one, just like who no, like if, co- closet cosplay D list villain. Yeah, if you ever if you ever yeah, want to do that, we'll put, we'll put him or her in the book. Done. Yeah, that's a good I, idea. I, or I'll, I'll just come dressed as Turner D Century either way because you can't <laughs> go. I'm so sad. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss out on on two really fun times, but. I know. Uh, <laughs> i'll take but, notes uh, i'll do we'll a do, live we'll do podcast yeah but uh so yeah it'll be out in july and uh anything uh anything else coming down the pike obviously there's as a as a television writer there's a there's a lot of uh striking a lot of writing of signs that uh, is going on my wife's doing that every day with her sister and they're out there uh but uh mm-hmm. when when there's there's time again where it'll be all right to write is there is there are there any comics coming up anything or uh yeah, well, a lot of TV stuff, film stuff put on hold, but um, we have the Minor Threats universe is growing. 
There's going to be some huge announcements at San Diego. We're doing a panel that'll get Yay! announced soon. Um, there's going to be merch and fun stuff like that. Uh, so we're going to have a big presence at, at San Diego. And so stay tuned for that. And then I have some more Marvel work, a Venom, a Venomverse thing uh, coming out this summer as well. A story in one oh, of the, those books. And uh, your your name is Jordan Bloom, but it's spelled Blum Jordan on Instagram. And, and I think... You you uh, promoted you have a different social uh, media handle, but I don't remember which one that was. Oh, I'm on really. Twitter and Blue Sky and and those. A oh, Blue yeah. Sky, that was the one. Blue I should have should have should have remembered the the Jeff Lynn connection. Um, <laughs> uh, Jeff Duray, you don't want to be found. That still continues to be true. No, correct? Jeff Lynn continues to look for me, and I will have none of it. <laughs> He's not going to find you. <laughs> but uh, we'll see you. We'll see you on the on the Blackcast. We'll have to talk about when uh, when you're going to see the Flash, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we'll we'll plan that uh, sometime in the near future. Uh, Kate, uh, where can people find you and your film? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and the works at Cornellable, C O R N E L L A B L E, and you can find Uncanny, an X Universe fan film. On YouTube and on Instagram, I like it. I like X Men. We're great. I like the X Men, and you should. I like Marvel, so you should. If you like it, you'll probably like it. <laughs> if you don't like it, don't let if me you know. Like, if you like good stuff, you're gonna like my good stuff. If you're I gonna like, I... if you like geek stuff, you'll probably like my yeah. geek stuff. But if, if you if... don't like my geek stuff, then why are you here? Keep it then why yourself. are you on the Geekscape <laughs> Network? Yourself. Yes. And, Learn uh, self-restraint, <laughs> internet. Speaking of the Geekscape <laughs> Network, uh, you'll be able to uh, find our show at least the next six weeks. Uh, we'll be covering Secret Invasion, which I believe we'll be doing Wednesdays at 2 Eastern, 11 Pacific. Uh, there'll probably be a couple of times where we tweak that time a little bit, but uh, very excited for uh, for Secret Invasion, uh, mostly because it's been so long since we've had a Marvel show. Uh, I'm ready, I guess is the best way to put that. You ready? Uh, and uh, as always, I can be found on Twitter and Instagram at ChristianDMZ. Subscribe to my personal podcast the black cast b-l-a-d-t-c-i-s-t uh we have a youtube channel there this show doesn't live there anymore but uh we still do some other shows and uh you can find me there b-l-a-d-t-c-i-s-t that's all the time we have for now but as the great stan lee would say excelsior you're listening to the geekscape network